0: What is going on? This is your man, L. Jamal, coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got them facts. And tonight, there's a lot to go over. Uh, I'll be basically reviewing everything that went on over the weekend. I got some news. I got some football to talk about. I got some college football to talk about. I'm going to be talking about the NBA and some college basketball, and I got a review for you guys. So, all that uh coming in tonight and also of course my layout for what uh the future projects are and then um of course if you guys are looking to get in touch with me of course you can follow me uh, on the instagram at Jamal 791 of course i got the youtube channel uh never out of bounds same name as this as well uh, but you know what time it is let's get right into it uh with the word on the street first things first of course uh we're going to talk about that bombing of course that was on Uh, Christmas Day in Nashville. Uh, Nashville, uh, Nashville resident Anthony Anthony Quinn Warner is going to be the person of interest being investigated uh, for those bombings. Uh, Now, this was outside of an ATT uh, AT&T building uh, outside of uh, well in downtown Nashville. And again, uh Quinn Warner is a sixty three year old uh, who's been working in i t uh, he's currently working as a well he currently was working as a computer technician for a realty company uh, a brief uh, investigation by the FBI of his home uh, in the in a i guess you can call it a suburb or a satellite city. I think in this case it would be a suburb of Tennessee or sorry, a suburb of uh, Nashville Antioch. Uh he took a look outside his house and pretty much found the r v that was pretty much. Well, that was similar to the one at the scene, and of course, for those who you know want a brief rundown or kind of don't know what happened, um, maybe not have heard too much about this one because it's kind of cold because they didn't really t- start talking about this until I would say probably Sunday and Monday. Well, today, um, depending on when you're listening to this, it could be tomorrow morning or you know, Tuesday, uh, but. Uh, you know they did not say too much about this Christmas Day although this happened on Christmas Day Uh, but again there was an RV that was used at the scene it pretty much uh, was filled with explosives Uh, It told people uh, in a recorded message to kind of clear out the area beforehand Uh, but there was an explosion Uh, numerous buildings were damaged Uh, nobody died but at least three people were hospitalized and I'm guessing when the police or the investigators came on the scene uh, saw another RV there, uh, pretty much matching the one at the scene. I'm guessing he probably uh, had it in his mind to carry out maybe another mission or another bombing. Like I said before, the man was named Anthony Quinn Warner, of course, Caucasian male. And I think another big story, or at least another big uh, turn we could take with this is, why wasn't there uh, an immediate, uh, you know, media coverage? Why wasn't there, you know, uh, a real effort to get this out to the populace until maybe a couple of days later? Um, wh- what is that all about? And part of me feel like feels like also, for one thing, as well, I have an issue with this not being considered uh, an act of terrorism, which it is. You know, does he fit a certain profile that, you know, just excludes a certain, you know, classification? I mean, this is the kind of things that bother me. You know, because in my opinion, um, it's it's a well, it's a it's a it's a violent act. You're bombing um, a specific building in a, you know, downtown setting. Um, To me, that's the equivalent of suicide bombers. That's the equivalent of anything else you would say that you would consider terrorism. Um, Again, uh, the investigation is trying to lead it. Uh, to someone of some paranoia on his end about, uh, you know, 5G telecommunications and, you know, f- you know all those type of health issues and spying from the government as well. I, you know, I don't know um, all about his motives. Again, this is really weird about how, you know, I just find it really weird that the media didn't harp on this uh, immediately. I know it was Christmas Day. I know people are, you know, enjoying themselves at home. But again, uh, we would have liked to known about this. Again, this was talked about maybe very briefly early Christmas day, and it kind of feels like they feels like they swept it on the road for some reason I, I, again, I imagine if it was anybody other than a Caucasian person to be honest with you, they would have you know had it all over the news all day long and um again, let's say that this was somebody like a illegal immigrant. this would have been an issue of immigration and all this you know we would have been talking about it you know all day, all weekend long, all day Christmas but Uh, Older white guy, you know, uh, nerdy tech guy, techie guy, which is what he was described as by his neighbors. You know, I guess he goes under the rug and, you know, they kind of just talk about it, you know, at the start of the week. I don't know. It's very crazy how, you know, they kind of, you know, they really didn't publicize a bombing in a major American American city. That's really crazy to me. Moving on, uh, the next big important news on the national scene is, of course, uh, there will be some type of relief in terms of some coronavirus uh, stimulus and all that. Uh, Those $600 checks should be going out as soon as next week. Uh, Donald Trump has officially signed that over, even though during the last part of the weekend, of course, over the weekend, kind of denying that and saying it was a disgrace and wanting to push the $2,000. I think a lot of people fell for that, and I think, you know, he was being really full of shit. I mean, there's nothing he really could have done. To be all honest with you, uh, the, the Republican Party really didn't want to give anybody checks this time around. Uh, what they wanted to do was not only not give you any type, us any type of checks, but give more loopholes to the corporations. Uh, just like seeing again, it's it's order out of chaos. Uh, I think one of the biggest complaints about the bill was about these 5,000 pages. It was like an omnibus. I think that's the term that they throw out there. All this, these, these different spending expenditures that the Democrats somehow proposed and they're uh, going to all these different countries. And, you know, I get people having an issue with that. Um, I personally have an issue with that, um, with what's going on here. So my question is, uh, with that being said, if those are the issues, if that's a real issue and um, the Republicans did not want that money to be spent, you know let alone i mean because again we've talked about this here before they were not trying to give us 600 hundred dollar checks that was that that was coming out of the the head of the treasury i mean he was the one talking about it might offset the economy all this you know economy stuff then at the last minute they try to give us 600 and the senate and the house passed that right now you know as far as you know trump is concerned um again I, i thought it was bullshit Um, I think it, and again, um, back to, you know, what the Democrats did. Again, that's the main kind of complaint about it. And again, if the Democrats added all these different spending, you know, or foreign spending, you know, implements the package, whatever. Why did the Republicans sign off on it? Why do they say, okay, well, we'll pass this and then turn around and try to bash them and say, oh, it was all this added and the Americans are pretty much only gets, getting $600 checks because it's, well, then don't sign off on it. Don't agree to it. And then tell them, tell the people what the issue is and why you weren't signing off on it. Don't push it through the Senate. Don't push it through, you know, to Trump and then have Trump turn around and play his little game until, oh, I can give him 2000. Okay. Well if that was if it was that simple, why was two thousand not pressed upon by the by the Republican Party originally? Because again, they didn't want to give us anything. They wanted to give the corporations more loopholes in order for them not to be sued for liabilities in this time period. I keep telling you all that. Nobody listening to that part. We just want to listen to the to the dollar to the dollar amount on our checks. Well, okay. That's fine too. I mean I guess if you need it I get I get it. Um, we all are in a situation where it's important but again um, I just think it's again some more order out of chaos bullshit the Democrats come in here with this omnibus spending bill again with all these different parts of the world where they want to spend money to and it comes out in the end we just get $600 and the Republicans um, I guess they have an issue with this they think that that's wrong we should get more okay that, I, could get, I could see that um, and I could see people, you know, along that line thinking if we weren't spending so much in these other places, then, you know, we would have got more than I'm saying. Then don't sign off on the bill. Then you push, then you push your reasoning. Then you let us know why. And I would understand that. I would understand if the Republicans said, no, we're not going to, we're not going to, you know, say yes to that. And we didn't get a check right away. I would have got that. Especially if they would have came back and gave us 2000 But that wasn't the, the plan. Plan was at least amongst the Republicans to not give you a check at all. I keep trying to tell people that, but they don't listen. Oh, Trump wanted to give you two thousand, and that's why the Republican Party shut that down anyway. Okay, well, whatever. Hopefully, we get the six hundred. We'll see what happens. According to Congress, uh, they wanted to push another uh, bill with two thousand dollars stimulus uh, checks. We'll see what happens. I uh, again. If you have a job, work it as much as you can, uh, you know, especially if you have a work at home job where you don't have to expose yourself in this time period. Good. Uh, if you have a job, do what you can save your money, you know, all that good stuff. I'm not going to tell anybody what to do per se, but again, I I think they're going to play with the money. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, what I'm saying is I wouldn't wait on it. That's all I'm going to say y'all. All right. Okay i'm gonna take a quick break when i get back i'll be breaking down uh some extinction level two yes buster rhymes uh there's two albums that came out this year uh, near the end of the year that i really wanted to get through before everything is wrapped up in 2020 that is the one well that is the first of two so uh we're gonna get into it after the break all right y'all i'll be right back let's get into it of course I wanted to break down uh, Buster Rhymes newest album Extinction Level 2 Wrath of God this one um, a really deep album over 20 songs a lot of different people on here in terms of producers a lot of different cameos on this one um, in terms of producers you got Buster Rhymes itself you got Jay Dilla you got some work from Swiss Beats High Tech DJ Premier, Walk Wilder. Uh, He worked on one of my favorite tracks on here. Actually, the song I just showed you here, Sar, uh, that's featuring M.O.P. This album is pretty high energy. Actually, it goes in a lot of different places. Uh, Of course, it's a similar, well, I wouldn't say completely similar to his first distinction level, uh, but it's definitely the same type of, I guess, theme. Of course, it's hard for me to really um talk about this type of subject matter without i mean because i'm a nitpick type of guy and because um i think a lot of people they look at hip-hop or you know web rap or whatever they want to call it especially this modern era And you know, so much is placed on you know the beats and the quality and how it makes you move and um there is some some placed on bars but again I think it's more so on how the bars sound as opposed to what the actual rapper is saying or well, the MC is saying actually a lot of these guys are rappers none of these guys are really MCs like that you don't really have MCs anymore you just have rappers um, now with that being said let me just break it down what, what I mean by that because uh, extinction level two. Of course, you're gonna have some. You're gonna have some singles on here. You're gonna have some songs that's you know gonna be played on the radio. You're gonna have songs, and I think one of those songs I think was uh, "You" uh, featuring Anderson Park. Really high energy. Something that people, um, you know, were gonna gonna like. Uh, I think "Out of My Mind" was one of those as well um there's there's a couple songs on here that really fit that mode there's also some songs that i feel like he's trying to kick you some knowledge because again it's kind of like an album that kind of depicts the future or like those you know like a revelations type album where it's kind of telling you oh man new world society new world order and um you get some of that like with the purge uh you get you know some of that some more of that with songs like satanic just kind of like where the game takes certain individuals so on and so forth and again he uh, tries to spit some more knowledge at you uh, with uh, with this track with uh, Rick Ross called Master Fard Muhammad um, now again how I feel about these types of songs and how I feel about this type of subject matter is again I'm very uh, maybe I nitpick too much but I feel like I get the message I understand where he's coming from and I understand that there's a system um, You know, I think everybody in our community knows about the system of poverty that's, you know, or whatever, just the white establishment or just the, I don't even want to put the color name on it. But just the establishment that keeps a lot of people down and not just us, right? I always find it difficult when we try to infuse all those messages with everything else we want to have going on. Uh, like, okay, well, yeah, let's try to dismantle the system while at the same time in the next uh, Statement or the next song girl shake your butt do this. I got all this money I got all this paper and in another completely different song I'm gonna come up on you and I got this this heater that I'll bring to your dome a Lot of different places. I know a lot of people people will say yeah, that's fine. You should be able to do that but if you're about trying to dismantle the system you can't turn around and dismantle the system and then tear down your block with one you know, in the same statement what I mean by that is you can't if it's if the message is really trying to, you know, push somebody in one direction it has to be focused on that direction especially if it's a powerful uh, or statement and that's why I feel like a song like you know, Master Far Muhammad is like basically talking about black it's like to me, I don't know if people can get where i'm coming from it's like a paradox it's like it's about all this stuff about what we want to do or like you know all the stuff that we praise and we put on you know all this pedestal stuff you know he starts with the, the song you know with all these different you know, will um uh, of course elijah muhammad speaking he plays a you know role in this album as well and i have my thoughts about him i'm not going to share them you know all right now or anything like that but i feel like black people like we we put these different messages out here like, Yeah, man, we trying to uplift ourselves, we trying to do this, but at the same time we promote all the stuff that brought us down anyways in the same breath. And I think it's like it's really hard. Um I mean again, like these some of these songs really go hard, but again like like the Far Muhammad track with Rick Ross is just like that's a, it's a paradox to me. It's like, yeah, we trying to be like this and we trying to, to elevate and then at the same time and I guess we have to start off somewhere, but I feel like we do a lot of promoting of the negativity um, at the same time. And I don't think we really focus on really trying to uplift and really trying to um, promote how diverse we really are. I think we try to pigeonhole. We, at the same time of trying to say, yeah, we can, we can uplift ourselves. It's always the same type of individual that's uplifting. You know, it's the same type of, oh, well, I'm still street. It's like an articulate thug type of thing. And it's like, look, we're not all of us are thugs. We're Some of us are very articulate. Some of us have not been into none of this. And I feel like a lot of what we see when it's released on the mainstream is not reflective of the entire black experience. And that's the more the more I've seen, the more I, I'm around black people, the more I'm into my experiences as a black person. I don't feel like, especially mainstream, uh, really reflects our whole situation. With that being said, there's a lot of different good tracks on here. I think the production on here really is nice. Um, in terms of, I, I really like the samples, um, in this song. Um, uh, for one, look over your shoulders, is a good one, uh, sampling the Jackson Five on that one. I believe that might have been a high tech beat there. Uh, but, but um, yeah. So some really good production here really good quality beats in terms of uh the appearances you had mary j blige pop up uh you also had q-tip pop up uh they they go really far back uh q-tip and busta rhymes uh they were on the track don't go uh really low key track you know just kind of reminiscing on you know just their relationship and you know just how they came up in the game and again some of these songs are really good and some of these songs you know uh kind of hit some good notes um or hit some positive messages but at the same time i just feel like we try to we try to do too much of everything in one one uh platform we we have to we try to get to well i think we cater the music well I, i feel like each rapper or like a lot of these rappers cater each of their songs to each group and i think if you're really that good every single song that you put out on an album should feel should fit everybody like I don't think they should be a, like a group of 4 and I think this is why this album is so deep because it gives you like four or five songs that fit each type of you know head you know like each each type of you know feeling that buster is on like okay when I want to be on my gangsta stuff I'll, I'll spit that and people will feel that I think every song you should put out I think the qual- I mean I think the really good artists and the great artists every song that they put out everybody's going to feel it like for one like uh, for example now i know this is a different genre but you know again i've been listening to the song recently and i'm like okay it it really you know makes me feel a certain type of way right and well album in general and it's purple rain by prince now you put that album on especially the title track everybody their mama is is gonna feel where he's coming from in that song everybody named mama is gonna understand that everybody you know in a lot of the different songs in that album they're gonna understand okay I feel with this album here I feel uh, it's just it's too many different almost head mindsets that's what I feel like it's it's like four or five different mindsets in one and I, I think it's cool um, I do think it goes on a little bit long there's some really good uh, like I said some really good you know comp, you know compilation songs i guess like you know appearances like with mary j those songs really good but again the message to me and i'm just like i'm getting maybe i'm being nitpicky but i feel like it's a little bit inconsistent but again the beats are tight chris rock um as i don't know what he's supposed to be the host of the album or something at the certain point in time he just got loud hella annoying i don't know like he I can only do so much of chris rock I, especially after everybody hates chris I'm too I, maybe that's what it is i'm I am chris rock out i I saw both grown-ups I've been I've been feeling I mean I've been watching Chris rock since the 90s I saw all all the major stand-ups at some point in time I'm done with Chris rock I'm done with that whole man we moved on but one of my favorite tracks from the album you no know, personally in my opinion was the track with anderson Pock. you uh really high energy uh i thought the video was really cool it kind of like had some comic book elements into it uh but again his flow was on point so was anderson pox really interesting i liked how the chorus went really uh, really tight uh, again the beats and a lot of these different songs were there. the production really was good um and I think again, that's just the product of where we're at right now. Production is king. Uh, subject matter, eh, it could be hit and miss, uh, but that's why I'm here, cause I'm gonna say, look, this is, you know, cause again, you gotta have that those those opinions out there. It can't be all this, and it can't be all, you know, another way either. So, again, if I were to grade it right now, uh, based on you know what I've heard, which on everything I, you know, I like I like the album i give it a b plus uh if i were to give it a ranking out of 10 i'm gonna give it 8.5 again i thought it was a really good album for me i mean again good enough i mean well long enough so he can get all his different mindsets out there his different thoughts and his different almost personalities out there i thought that was cool uh, again this, the the track with q-tip really weighs heavy on my mind just again with this low low key flow Again, Chris Rock was in there kind of making it funny. But overall, beats like "Sar," I really like that. Really high energy in this song, in these songs. Uh, again, he takes it back and forth. He wants you to be on a little bit more reflective note as well with certain tracks. So he has that. He has a little bit of everything in this album. I say check it out. It is worth It is worth a listen to. Um, give it some time, though. Give it a couple of days because it is a pretty long album. That is what I'm going to tell you. At least give yourself two days if you don't do it <laughs> all right y'all i'm going to take another break and when i come back i'll be getting into my sports segment of the night uh starting off with some nba action so i'll be right back all right y'all i'm back let's get into some nba action uh let's start off with the scores from tonight uh first things first uh we got the pistons uh taking an l here to the hawks 128 to 120 was the final score the hawks are three and zero. Uh, to start the year off and the the Pistons moved down to 0-3. and For the Pistons, they were led by Josh Jackson and forward Jeremy Grant. They would both have 27 points each. Uh, Josh Jackson would add 4 rebounds and 2 assists to that, and Jeremy Grant would add 6 rebounds to his totals. DeLon Wright would also help out the Pistons with 18 points, 5 rebounds, and 4 assists. Uh, Moving on to the Hawks, Trey Young would lead the way with 29 points, 6 assists, and 3 rebounds. Bogdan Bogdanovich would have 17 points, 5 assists, and 5 rebounds off the bench. And John Collins, the 4th, would have 15 points, 6 rebounds. And three assists. six. Up next, we have an upset here uh, in overtime. The Grizzlies get it done against the next one sixteen to one eleven. Uh, the Grizzlies are one and two. The Nets are five hundred at two and two. For the Grizzlies, Kyle Anderson uh, will lead the scoring, lead the way uh, for scoring for them. The four would have twenty eight points, seven rebounds, and three assists. Dylan Brooks would have twenty four points, seven rebounds, and four assists. And Jonas Valanciunas, the big man, would have fourteen points and fourteen rebounds. For the Nets, Kyrie Levert would have twenty eight points and eleven rebounds. He would also have four assists. Uh, Timothé Luwawu Caballero would have 20, uh, 21.6 rebounds and three assists. My biggest takeaway uh, was with the base was was that the big two wasn't there. Um, that being KD and Kyrie, and uh, the Nets still only lost by four. Uh, they possibly could have won that game. Um, so the Nets are not that bad. I don't know why they were sitting out tonight. I have to look into that if there's anything serious about that, but I don't know why they both weren't playing. But uh, yeah, Nets looked uh, solid even in a loss, but the Grizzlies looked pretty good too, uh, you know. And they at least get their first win of the season. Moving on, we got a Western Conference matchup between the Jazz and the Thunder. The Jazz get the best of the the Thunder in that one, 110 to 109. Uh, we also got the Rockets taking another L here to the Nuggets, 124 to 111. And finally. Uh, to cap off the night, my Blazers, they get it done against the Lakers, 115-107. The Blazers are 2-1, and and the Lakers are 500 at 2-2. and For the Blazers, uh, Dame had a pretty good game, 31 points, 5 assists, and 4 rebounds. Gary Trent Jr. without 28 points and 3, re- 3 rebounds off the bench. And CJ without 20 points and 11 assists. Uh, for the Lakers, of course, LeBron will do his thing. 29 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists. Uh, Dennis Schroeder will have 24 points and 4 assists, as well as 4 rebounds. Uh, as far as my takeaways, my biggest takeaway from this game is uh, Portland didn't give up as many points in this game. Um, they they played pretty good offensively. Um, they are, you know, hey, they looked they looked a lot better. I mean, they this was their best play game uh, so far of the year. I'll talk a little bit more about what I, my takeaways uh, from the opening week of the NBA uh, to wrap everything up in just a little bit. Uh, but let's get into some news real quick, just a few things to talk about, uh, some injuries, and, uh, yeah, let's just go ahead and get to it. Uh, my first thing that I wanted to talk about was there's some drama going on in Detroit right now uh, dealing with their owner. Uh, Pistons, Pistons owner Tom Gore has recently discussed uh, an ad released by a non Worth Rises, uh, in the New York Times, calling on the NBA to remove him from ownership due to his owning of a prison telecommunications company. Securious is what the company is called. Uh, and it sets the pricing on phone calls made by inmates across the U.S. Sometimes an inmate could be charged up to $15 for a 15-minute fi- a phone call. It was purchased by Gores in 2017. Uh, for 1.6 billion dollars my question to the people that have an issue with this uh, why did you not have an issue with this in 2016 Um, and the reason why is I'm going to ask you again I'm going to ask you why this question um, I'm going to ask you again this question in just a little bit because now this is obvious you know goes against with what the NBA has been you know pushing now which is pro BLM pro uh, you know um, social justice I'm not going to say anti-police. And, um, of course, this would go against that, right? Uh, Now, however, the NBA, you know, well, Goris has been an owner in the NBA since 2011. Now, my question to the people that put out this ad, you know, and people that might have an issue and all this. Why did you not say anything in 2017 when he purchased the company? He's had the company for, I mean, well, depending on when he purchased it in 2017, uh, between three or four years now. Now we're, and, and again, he's he's been an owner since 2011. So, I mean, I mean, he's purchased, he's made that purchase since he's ran a team in the NBA. So it's like, uh, now, I, but like, let me guess, everything now, you know, everybody's becoming so, you know, conscious now and, and trying to call people out now. Look, he made his move with his money. Um, that's we have bigger fish to fry. Owners in the NBA, I could care less about who's the owner. I mean, as long, I mean, again, I mean, you had David Stern, uh, that was unacceptable. But I mean, come on, uh, I mean, what can you, what can you really do? I mean, outside of buying NBA teams up ourselves, I, I, I'm done with complaining and and, and calling dumb shit out like this. I'm really looking for the the actual laws to change I don't I don't care about NBA owners they don't they don't have any political influence necessarily they don't have they don't, they can't pass laws they can't they I mean again what I mean um and of course you know he's you know he's feeling bad about this uh, he had to save face he recently put out a hunted turkey well he recently was giving out turkey dinners uh Christmas dinners I believe something like that in the Flint area uh, he happens to be a, a he happens to be from the flint michigan area graduate from michigan state that being Goris, and again it's just you know all this to me it's all a show even with this ad that was against him i'm like dude in my opinion i mean again he's bought he bought that company in 2017 okay we're waiting until 2021 to make it news and i'm i'm done okay let's focus on other more important things um because of this recent controversy, controversy, he's recently had to give up his position at the trustee of the L.A. County Art Museum. Again, uh, again, all this unnecessary drama. Uh, he's he's decided that he would lead the change, and I, and I say this quote in quotes, uh, he would d- reduce the phone calls by thirty percent. Well, he said his company has already has, has already reduced the phone calls by thirty percent. whoopty fucking do. And he plans on reducing those phone calls for another 50% over the next three years. My question is, um, well, my, my thing is, I don't think a prisoner should have to pay for phone calls. And the reason why is because, well, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the taxpayers pay for at least state prisons. So, I mean, if, if our tax, if our tax money is keeping the lights on, keeping those guys fed, I mean, why would they not go into keeping them, giving them a landline? I think that's ridiculous that you're charging people who really don't have money like that. I mean, again, it's not like they can't work. I mean, they are given the opportunity to work in cases. I'm pretty sure they are. Again, prison pay ain't shit. But um, if they get, again, if they got that opportunity so again i the fact that they're being charged for something as simple as a phone call really makes no diff really makes no sense to me in the first place uh but again it's 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 more drama uh is it really important into the grand scheme of things I, not necessarily the detroit pistons are garbage um and it's a and it's a shame um I as I I think he has some business acumen. He possibly does, but he obviously has no b- basketball acumen because this team is garbage. So, um, he does a lot of stuff in the Detroit area, though, in terms of events, because I believe he, I uh, want to say he owns the facility, like the stadium in which they play in, or at least uh, a company like an entertainment company that kind of you know sets up events there, in that in that uh, palace. I don't, I don't think it's called the palace anymore, whatever stadium is called, but. Again, he ranges all this, you know, all the type, all the entertainment to come into the city. He does that type of stuff. Again, he also earns an equity firm that buys up d- different businesses, uh, you know, all that type of stuff. So he's a business dude. Uh, is it again like in, the, in the grand scheme of things? T- don't bl- get into all this BS. I uh, again, if they're not giving, if again, this is how we should be going into twenty twenty one. Okay black folks and people who feel like this country is not being pushed in the right direction um if if the pressure is not being applied to the corporations and or to the government then we shouldn't be we shouldn't care and again yes it's, it's a corporate guy but again it's not about changing the law we just don't want him to be an owner that's a, that's a petty battle that's all i'm going to say that's okay that's a petty battle that's it, it, again uh, petty battles like should he be an owner I'm not for that. I'm for the changing of legislation that, you know, restricts certain powers by corporations or the government, maybe, and put some more power into the public sector, to the people. That's what I'm more so about. His position as as Detroit owner, it doesn't have anything to do with anything important, okay? Uh, Sometimes, I think that movement, the BLM movement, just... It, they put it on they're fighting on way too many fronts that's not necessary I'll start with that and I'm going to push on from that we'll get into more discussions with that later in time um, I got an injury update for you guys uh, two significant ones uh, well one significant one uh, this one is being for the Warriors Marquise Chris this is significant because he's in that starting rotation at least he's in that rotation period he's, he's a body for them uh, he's broke his leg recently uh, he will have surgery he will be out for the season. Uh, moving on for the Mavericks, we got Chris, Stapp, uh, Chris Stapps. Uh, he uh, suffered an injury as well. Uh, it's a knee injury, and he will be out until January the 9th. Uh, we also have some Houston issues here. Uh, six people out, uh, we, including Ben McLemore, Eric Gordon. All those, well, Ben McLemore is dealing with some knee issues, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Kenyon Martin, John Wall, all COVID trauma. Uh, kenyon martin jr yes kenyon martin's son he won't be back until january just like Ben McLemore. Uh mason jones don wall and eric gordon uh, should all be coming back uh december the 31st at least you know reddish uh you know available to play and uh finally we got jonathan isaac uh he blew out his knee of course jonathan isaac small forward for the magic uh, he blew out his knee and he will be done for the season uh, one last bit of news to talk about that I wanted to go over. Uh, there is a death in the NBA community, uh, so we, I wanted to talk about that real quick. Uh, Casey Jones, uh, former guard for the sorry for the Boston Celtics, passed away last week. Uh, he won, uh, I believe, eight championships there uh, as a player, as a teammate of Bill Russell. He also won. Uh, I believe three championships there as a coach. Uh, he would also play with Bill Russell at the University of San Francisco where they would win two national championships. He would also win a gold medal with the gold, with Sorry, with the U.S. men's basketball team in the 1956 Olympics in Melbourne, Australia as well. He was born in Texas and raised in San Francisco. And again, like I said, uh, he would start off his college career. Uh, well, he started off his coaching career at Brad East University. He would also uh, coach in the NBA with the Lakers as well as the Washington Bullets. Uh, he would come to the Celtics in 1983 uh, right in the heart of the McHale, Parish, and the um, Sorry, Mikhail Parrish, and Bird errors. And uh, he pretty much uh, let the players kind of uh, become their own architects and kind of just sat back and let them do their own thing. Of course, provided uh, his own wisdom and everything like that. But uh, definitely a coach that players respected. Uh, definitely a player uh, that accomplished a lot. And uh, just the RIP to him. Uh, he was 88 years old. And I wanted to end out the segment on that. Uh, just so we can kind of uh, give some reverence to him. All right, y'all, I uh, will take another quick break, and when we come back, I'll be getting into some football. I'll be right back, y'all. Oh, yeah, I got to break down some college basketball. I didn't forget. So uh, to start everything off, this for the season, uh, we're uh, we're a few games into the season, of course. Uh, I'm going to be breaking down the top 25 as of right now, um, and as the season goes on, we'll be breaking down more information about you know who the teams are, uh, through their conference standings and stuff like that, through the brackets or projected brackets for the NCAA tournament, so on and so forth. But today, uh, we're going to get through the top 25, and then we're going to get through the scores from tonight. Uh, let's start off with number 25. We have Ohio State. Uh, they are currently 7-2. and two. They are 1-2 and two versus the Big Ten currently, uh, but they are 500 versus the top 25. Uh, they did get a win versus Rutgers, uh, but their most recent game on Saturday versus Northwestern. Uh, they're number 19 they did take a L Um, at number 24 uh, we have Virginia Tech here Virginia Tech is currently seven and one and for Virginia Tech they have three wins in a row and they're currently third in the ACC at number 23 we have Virginia Virginia is a very interesting team here being that uh, they play some very good defense uh, but offensively they leave a lot to be desired for example their worst loss so far this year was uh, 60 to 61 loss uh, versus the University of San Francisco. Uh, USF uh, would just shoot 36 percent from three, uh, so that goes. That just kind of just shows you the kind of struggles that Virginia had as well, uh, and also Virginia would also give up eight turnovers in that game. They also have a blowout loss to Gonzaga, 98-75. to 75. Uh, They are 1-31 all-time against the top-ranked teams, so teams between, you know, 1 and 2, uh, even 3. So they do not normally beat teams in the top 25. And also their biggest thing right now, at least in the top 2 or 3 in the nation. And another, another big thing is what I'm seeing is the past few seasons, of course, uh, I've been seeing this trend as well, is, not a whole lot of offense from them. They rarely average over 60 points a game, 60 points a game, and it always seems to come back uh, to haunt them as they get deeper into the season when they start playing uh, some legitimate, some more legitimate content competition, and also within that conference as well. All right, moving on. Uh, at number 22, we have Minnesota. Minnesota is nine and one. They're coming into the rankings with three wins in a row. Uh, this includes a 81-56 win versus Michigan State. Uh, in that game, they were led by a guard Marcus Carr. He would have 19 points, 5 assists, and 4 rebounds. For Minnesota, Minnesota, they would shoot 47% from the field, and they would dominate the rebound department, 52-36. to 36. They will also have 18 total team assists, but they would give up 14 turnovers. I don't think this is indicative of them. I've kind of looked at their stats just a little bit. Uh, they don't normally shoot necessarily that well they don't normally score a whole lot of points uh but they don't give up a lot of turnovers as well and they play really good defense uh but moving on uh to number 21 we have oregon who is six and one um in terms of you know how to get things done oregon scores about 70 uh 74 points per game versus the pac 12 uh compared to 77 percent uh sorry 77 points per game uh, against the rest of division one. Uh they also uh they also perform differently against their conference as well. Uh they give up about 70 points a game versus teams within the conference uh despite only giving up about sixty three uh sixty three points a game you know against everybody else. Uh so again and I get, I guess that's more so just the competition within the Pac 12. Extremely competitive. Nobody has a favorite right now um, outside of probably who you know the team you already like is uh, but as far as who's leading this team uh, we got Eugene Amaruri uh, he averages 18 points per game on 48% shooting also 37% from three he also gets two, per- uh, two assists and four rebounds a game as well guard chris duarte uh, our second leading scorer he's also a great defender as well uh, he averages 15 points per game 53 percent shooting on 42 percent uh, sorry 42 percent shooting from three he averages seven uh, rebounds and also one and a half steals per game he has nine steals so far on the year uh for oregon they are zero and one against the top 25. Uh, that is a 83 to 75 loss versus number 14 missouri uh, but their signature win of the year so far is 83 to 71 versus seton hall seton hall is a good uh back east opponent for the big east conference uh seton hall is more than likely going to be a tournament bound team so uh that is a good win for oregon to have Oregon plays in a competitive conference as well, that being the Pac-12. So as long as they uh, at least finish in good standing in the Pac-12, I would say uh, second um, definitely would have win in the conference. They should get a pretty decent seed. If They If they win the conference, they get a pretty decent seating in the tournament. If they could finish between second and third, uh, that would ensure that they get an invitation, period. Um, just with the competitiveness of the conference, if they finish fourth or fifth, you're pushing it. I'm just, I'm just being honest here. But they are winning on conference play. Uh, that is the one against their rival Washington. Um, and they currently are riding six games. And in, uh, in general, they're riding a six games. Six, sorry, a six game in a row winning streak. Uh, moving on, uh, we're gonna go to number 20. Where we have Duke. Uh, for Duke, uh, they've been slipping a little bit this year. They are 3-2. and two. Again, this is something that they're not necessarily used to. I, I know this. This is not their standard, uh, especially with being winless against the top 25 so far, uh, including losses 75-69 uh, to 69 versus number 12 Michigan State. Uh, they also have a loss 68-83 here against number 18 Illinois. Again, this is not the Duke standard. Uh, But every now and again, every every now and again, excuse me, every five or six uh, years, they have a down year like this. We'll see what happens. Uh, They do have a matchup against uh, Florida State looming. Uh, That's going to be January the 2nd. That should be a chance for them to kind of get things back. Uh, They did get a win in their last game, though, 75-68 at Notre Dame. And as a team, they average 73 points per game, and they average, uh, well, they give up about 69 69 points per game. So their games are relatively close. Um, It's about, you know, possessions for them and not giving up too many turnovers for them Um, and just playing, you know, crisp. I I noticed a game, uh, actually, no, wrong team that I'm thinking about. So (laughs) let's just go ahead and move on. At number 18, um, we have sorry at number 19. Excuse me. We have Northwestern. Northwestern is coming in the rankings with four straight wins. Uh, they are three and 0 versus the Big Ten, so that puts them to the top right now. Uh, this is their first time in the top 25 in three years, and they're currently 30th in the nation in scoring. Uh, they get about they get over 85 points a game, and they keep uh, they keep teams. Uh, relatively bogged down with 62 points uh, per game, they're only giving up defensively. So Northwestern, look out for them. Currently leading in the Big Ten at number 18, we have Florida State. Uh, Florida State is currently six and one. Uh, Florida State is really a decent team in my opinion. Uh, they come into this week, uh, sorry, uh, with guard, sorry, junior guard Anthony Polite, uh, pretty much overseeing their offense. Uh, he has well, he's actually gotten 61 percent. Of the offense's possession, so the offense runs through him, the pick and roll, all that. Um, he's also shooting at 50, 52% from three. That's probably not going to keep uh, keep up throughout the course of the season, uh, but it'll stay relatively high. He's a bright spot on the other. Otherwise, I would say bottom, bottom tier offense because uh, overall they rank, yeah, they rank at the bottom of college basketball in terms of efficiency. So the Seminoles, uh you know they're here. Uh, they're definitely a good defensive team, but not a lot to speak of offensively, except for, like I said, Anthony Polite. Uh, let's move on to number seventeen. We have Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State. I'm not too sure why uh, they're in the rankings right now. Um, in my opinion, they've they struggled. They lost a lot of uh, recent a lot of games recently. I believe it was three games in a row. Um, outside of being in the Big Ten. I'm not too sure what the deal is. Um, they have lost three straight, uh, including the game tonight. We'll break down in just a little bit, I believe, uh, with Minnesota. I think yeah, that was their loss. Yeah, Minnesota, the Minnesota loss. Uh, so look for them to drop even more so next week. Uh, but just to kind of break them down for right now, uh, they do have a win against number 20 Duke, like I said, 75 to 69. Uh, but their struggles are within the conference. Uh, they score about 81 points uh, per game versus the rest of the Division One schools, uh, but they struggle within the big 10 only scoring 70 points per game and they give up 82 points a game versus the big 10 as well and they only give up 74 points per game versus the the rest of division one so i don't know what what it is i'm not too sure what the difficulties are but but the spartans just can't seem to get it done versus the big 10 uh moving on uh number 16 we have michigan I'm a little bit myth as to why Michigan hasn't moved up necessarily even more. Uh, they are still undefeated, uh, but their last game they are seven and zero. The last game was a W, 80 to 69 at Nebraska, who's currently four and five. In that game, they were led by France Wagner, the guard, would have 20 points, nine assists, and also two uh, sorry nine rebounds and two assists. Ford isaiah livers would have 17 points five assists sorry five rebounds and four assists and uh center hunter uh, uh dickerson uh would have 15 points along with guard Shondi brown uh they currently tied for second in the big Ten with wisconsin uh they're just one game behind northwestern though all right moving on we have illinois uh illinois is another interesting team here as well uh they are currently seven and three uh they did take a loss just recently. They're two and two away from home. Uh, I love the the away. Well, I I put a lot of emphasis on the away from home stat because uh, in the postseason, in the tournament, you're not gonna be at home. Uh, actually, as a matter of fact, as soon as the regular season is over, you're not gonna be at home because even your conference tournament is gonna be in a neutral site. So everything after your last home game, uh, that's it. You're gonna be at a neutral site. So I think it's very important uh, that teams win on the road uh, with that being said Illinois is, uh, is 500 away from home uh, they're currently 23rd in the nation in scoring they get about 87 points per game uh, led by junior guard Ayo Dosubutsu. Uh 24 points a game from him on 52% shooting he also gets seven rebounds and five rebounds uh, this is a team that also ranks 29th in the nation in rebounds and also 38th in assists uh, moving on uh, we have uh, number 14 Rutgers, uh, Rutgers is six and one and for them their last game was a, a loss uh, 68 to si- uh, sorry 68 to 80 at Ohio State they were outscored 52 to 30 in the second half of that game they were kept up 41 percent shooting in were terrible from the free throw line 10 to 17 they were also out rebounded 42 to 25 and they also gave up tw- uh, actually they gave up 12 points off second chance buckets to the Buckeyes guys in that game however However, I will give them this. They are 5-0 away from home. So, I I like that stat. I like that stat. They're going to have to win in this conference, though, because the Big Ten is looking really hard this year. But they can win on the road, it's possible for them to do it. Uh, Number 13, we have Texas Tech. Texas Tech is 7-2. Breaking down Texas Tech real quick, and they're uh, kind of similar to Virginia in a way that They play really good defense, lights out defense, pretty much. But they, their offense, again, leaves a lot to be desired. But they are one and one this season currently in Big 12 play. But they are zero and two against the top 25. Uh, They've been outscored by 53. Well, they've only scored 53 and 54 points in those games respectively. Uh, They are fifth, like I said, they are fifth in points allowed though at 54. So if they can get You know, if they can hold you to 50, if they can hold you within their average uh, below, which is below, anything below 60, they can score about 60, 65, they can pull something out. But if, if, you know, a team comes in there really hot and just, you know, busting at all the cylinders, especially from three, Texas Tech, like I said, has no answer to that. They don't score a lot of points. That's just the way that it goes for them. At number 12, we have Missouri, the team that, of course, beat my Ducks earlier in the year. Uh, Again, they have a top 25 matchup this Wednesday. Actually, uh, yeah, actually, it's a very important matchup because uh, Tennessee comes into this one at number eight. Again, this matchup will be on uh, Wednesday. Uh, currently, Missouri is two and zero versus the top twenty five, uh, and they scored eighty points in both of those games. So, Missouri can score; uh, they can actually put up some points uh, there. Uh, actually, this is one of their better seasons that they've had in a very long time. Um, I'm not, you know, I haven't watched too much of them from a basketball perspective. I lo- I watch a lot of their football. I know about the coaching staff. I know about their football head coach. I couldn't tell you a whole lot about the basketball team, but just like you through the course of this season, we're going to learn. And number 10, uh, I have Iowa here. Uh, they are 7-2. and two. Uh, Of course, they're coming out of the Big Ten. Uh, they did face a couple of losses last week. Uh, they were, I believe, in the top 10 last week. If I'm not mistaken, yep, they were number 4. Uh, so, Iowa comes into this week 7-2. Uh, and two. Uh, The last game was a loss. Uh, this one to Minnesota. Minnesota, again, uh, taking out some top-ranked opponents. Really upgrading that resume come tournament time, but we got to talk about Iowa right now uh sorry, uh the Iowa Hawkeyes rallied in the second half of that game to score fifty to force overtime. Uh but it looked like they just got tired. Uh they would give up nineteen points in in the overtime frame. Uh and for Minnesota, Brandon Johnson uh basically killed Iowa uh, going four for four for three um in that game. And I think he had a team overall team record of nine in that game. So uh I think I mean, I don't know if it was fatigue or just Iowa doesn't have a, a defense against a three-pointer. I don't know. But well, Luca Garza did pretty well in that game. He would have 32 points, 17 rebounds. Luka Garza is probably one of the best big men they've had in a while. I'm pretty sure he's on the NBA draft board if he's available. I'm pretty sure he is. Guard C.J. Frederick, 23 points from him, uh, two assists and two rebounds. And uh, guard Joe's White. Joe Wisecamp. you'll probably hear some um, scouting news from him as well. Uh, at the guard position, 14 points. He uh, would have nine rebounds and two assists. Uh, Iowa is third in scoring with uh, 95 points a game. They're also a third in the nation in assists. Uh, they have 22 points a game, so they score really well. And I think a lot of that is because, of course, they pass the ball really well and they found the open guy. Uh, moving on to number seven. Uh, sorry, number uh, eight, nine. Excuse me. Ooh. Uh, West Virginia. West Virginia is seven and two. West Virginia has moved up a couple spots. Again, I'm not too sure why they moved up a few spots. Uh, but currently they're seven and two. Like I said, uh oh, excuse me. That was Virginia. Nope, that's my bad. I looked at it wrong. But West Virginia, um, seven and two like I said, their last game was a loss, uh sixty five to seventy nine at Kansas. Uh, they're one and one in their conference, which is the Big 12. Uh, but they are zero and two versus the top 25. This includes a loss here to the number one Gonzaga Bulldogs, 82 to 87. However, their best win so far is an 87-71 win versus Richmond, uh, who's 4-1 and has an upset win this year as well. Uh, in that game, guard Miles McBride would have 20 points, 5 assists, and guard Sean McNeil would have t- uh, sorry, 20, uh, sorry, 12 points in that game, along with forward Oscar Shebway. Uh, he would also have 5 rebounds and 3 assists. Um and as a team, uh, they shoot at about fifty-eight percent from the field and also fifty-seven percent from three. So, uh, really good offensive numbers. Uh, they pass the ball pretty well as well. So at number seven, we have Tennessee. Tennessee is six and zero. Again, uh, they have that big matchup against uh, Missouri, which in my opinion may be one of those first. Uh, chances at seeing who who will be in the driver's seat for that conference, uh, but for Tennessee, their first game versus the top 25 will be Wednesday against Missouri uh, as far, oh this will also be their first conference game as well uh, they have two 100 point wins uh, one of those being uh, against Tennessee Tech 103 to 49 was the final score. Now, when they also blew out St. Joseph's 102 to 66, so this team can score a lot. I think they average over 80 points a game. Uh, again, there is some questionable, you know, competition there. uh Wednesday is your best shot to see what they got to offer. At number six, we have Wisconsin here. Wisconsin, if I, uh, if I'm not mistaken, has moved up a couple spots. They're currently eight and two so far. And as far as, as they're concerned, they have five wins in a row. Um, oh, sorry, well they did have five wins wins in a row until they came into tonight. Uh, they're st- sorry, they're two and one versus the Big Ten. They're twenty thirty points allowed in the nation. Uh, they only give up about fifty nine points a game. Uh, they're also twelfth uh, in three point percentage in the nation, forty one percent from out there, averaging about seventy eight points a game against another team out there in a loaded Big Ten. At number five, we have another undefeated team here, Houston. Uh, Houston, as some people like to call it, uh, comes in here, 7-0, 2-0 versus the American Conference, 63, and uh, their last win included, well, their two conference wins include a uh, 63-54 win over UCF and a uh, 76-50 seventy six to win versus Temple, their best win so far is a win against uh, Texas Tech 64-53. to uh, Marcus Sasser had 17 points in that game. The guard, uh, the, another guard, sorry, their other guard, Quentin Grimes would have 15 points and 7 rebounds. And their third guard, Tremaine Mark, would have uh, 11 points in that game as well. Houston didn't shoot well at all in that game, 35%, but they played well defensively. Another team that does not shoot or shit, but played really good defensively. Uh, but they t- uh, kept Texas Tech from thirty. From uh, they kept sorry, they kept Texas Tech below 40% from the field. Uh, Both teams would struggle from three, uh, but Houston would control the boards and force Texas Tech into 18 turnovers. They also outscored Texas Tech. Oh, but they were outscored 34 to 27 in the second half. So, again. they have a tendency to not give up. Well, they have a tendency to not score as well, but they'll keep you from scoring. They're six, they're six in points in, uh, six in points allowed with only 54 points given up. So, again, um, if they can keep you from scoring and they can score a decent amount of buckets, something can happen for them. Outside of that, I mean, a, a good enough offensive team can probably blow them out, just being honest with you. All right, moving on. At number four, we have Villanova. Villanova is uh, eight and one currently. Uh, they have six wins in a row. They are three and zero oh in the Big East. They are one and one versus the top twenty-five. Uh, that loss was in overtime to Virginia Tech, seventy-three to eighty-one. Uh, they each would end a half tie, so the first half uh, will be twenty-nine, um, and the second half they will be it will be it would end up tied 35, 35. to thirty-five. Well, they will score thirty-five points each, uh, but this is another game where you know went to overtime. The team ran out of the gas. This time being Villanova, they were outscored 17 to nine. Colin Gillespie did have 25 points in that game, four assists and three rebounds. Caleb Daniels would have 20, sorry, 17 points and two rebounds. Uh, but again, um, oh, and they do have another significant win here. Uh, this one being against Texas, 68 to 64. Texas, of course, is in the top 10 right now. Uh, guard Justin Moore and also Jeremiah. Uh, Robinson Earl would have 19 points each. Go, sorry, Connor Gillespie would have 12 points in that game. And Villanova will control the rebound department when um, they will only have nine turnovers. Uh, they would have 19 chances at the free throw line and that would be the difference on a, in a score like that. 68 to 64, pretty much it. Uh, they had, I believe, uh, like I said, 19 chances at the free throw line. They made 14 of those. Um, and they averaged about 88 points a game and they only give up about 67 points, so they can score a lot, and they don't give up a lot. So uh, Villanova uh, definitely in the driver's seat in within their conference. At number three, we have Kansas here. Again, this is this top three is pretty much looking like it was last year between you know Kansas, Baylor, Gonzaga. So we got here, uh, but for Kansas they are eight and one. They are first in the b 12. They are two and zero. They also three and one versus the top twenty five. Uh, the wins uh, are against Creighton and against Texas Tech, and also West Virginia. But then the the one loss does come to, to sorry to Gonzaga. Gonzaga boys, they're taking out everybody. Uh, but in that game, uh, more, uh, sorry sorry, uh, they are led uh, by Marcus Garrett. The guard has 22 points a game. He averages 22 points a game, two assists, and two rebounds. Uh, guard, Ochai, a He averages 17 points a game and four rebounds. Um, and as far as a team, in general, they average about 78 points per game. So, you know, there you go. Uh, as far as that game against Gonzaga, which they lost, really sloppy. Uh, they did give up uh, 15, I think it was 15 turnovers and 19 personal fouls. So, you know, what beats Kansas is them playing sloppy, pretty much them beating themselves. At number two, we have Baylor. They are 6-0. and uh, Their best win so far was an 82-69 to win versus number 18, Illinois. Uh, guard, uh, sorry, guard Adam Flagler led the way in that game. 18 points, 3 rebounds, and 3 assists coming off the bench. Guard Davey and Mitchell would have 15 points in that game, 7 assists, and 4 rebounds. And currently, Baylor is six and scoring. With about 93 points a game and finally at number one we have gonzaga here uh they are eight and oh they recently got a win tonight we'll break that down in just a second uh, but they are four and oh versus the top 25 they took it out iowa kansas virginia uh, and also west virginia they are second in scoring 95 points a game they're led by senior forward corey kispert 24 points a game four rebounds two assists uh they are third in team field goal percentage uh, and they are also six in the assists with 21, and they're also 35th in steals with nine points a game. So, again, it's a team that scored a lot, and they can force you into some turnovers. Uh, this is indicative of, in my opinion, some of the better teams. Um, there's a lot of teams that play good defense, like Texas Tech and Virginia, but they cannot score. Uh, Florida State is kind of the same way. They play a decent amount of defense as well, but they just can't score. Gonzaga. On the surface, it, it seems like they don't play a lot of defense, but they do. They get turnovers. They might give up a few points, but they do get turnovers. They get extra possessions. And since they score, you know, it just works for them. Okay. All right. Let's get into a couple new stories. Uh, the one big thing is coming out of Kentucky, and it looks like they've been struggling a lot lately, and they have. I don't know what the story, I don't know why or, you know, what's happened to them. Uh, but currently, the Kentucky Wildcats, you don't hear too much about them this time around because they're not even in the top 25. They're 1-6. This is their worst start since 1926. And it's the, lo- the longest losing streak under coach John Calipari. Uh, it's the first six grade losing streak since 1988 for the team. And... Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of negatives here. The season would uh, begin with a win. It was basically a tune-up win over Morehead State, but that would be followed up by an upset to unranked Richmond, 76 to 64, and then they would lose to in-state rival Louisville, and also, uh, you know, just a bad, you know, just a bad you know look for them so far they shot below 35% from the field in both of those games even worse from three it was they would go zero and ten in that Richmond game from three uh, now freshman forward Terrence Clark is still dealing with injury and did not start on their last game senior Olivier Saar, uh has struggled offensively and he didn't he hasn't even scored a bucket in two games uh, now Kentucky is the first SEC team to start one and six since 1989, and I was old Miss. And no team that I started the season one and six ever even gotten a invite to the tournament. So um, unless something happens dramatically, and I say at the very least they would drop. F- I-, I think they could drop four more games realistically. They play a logist- a legitimate conference enough. Maybe a 10-loss Kentucky team probably—I think a 10-loss Kentucky team probably makes it over maybe a 8-loss, you know, MAC team, Mid-American Conference or whatever, smaller school team, but it's pushing it. Um, they're going to have to—they're going to have to, you know, maybe even win that conference tournament as well, in my opinion. That's—that's— that's, uh, yeah, it's gonna be hard. Uh, one more news uh, story to break down. Uh, COVID does strike the Villanova campus. Uh, their head coach, Jay Wright, has recently tested positive, and all basketball activities have since been canceled or at least postponed. Uh, another ta- staff member, excuse me, has tested positive as well. Uh, the January 2nd game versus Xavier has been postponed as well. But as for Wright, he's doing okay. And the symptoms are mild. So uh, look for uh, Villanova to kind of be under wraps. I think they do have a break until this next game. Well, actually, unless that game is on the road. I, I think Their next game might be on the road. So they might have a, some time away uh, from the campus and, you know, all that contract tracing. So if anything develops, I'll let you guys know. Uh, but let's move into some Monday action. Uh, we have some top 25. Well, actually, top yeah, top 25 action uh, with Wisconsin. It took an L here to uh, Maryland 70-64 was the final score here. Uh, Maryland is 6-3. Wisconsin is 8-2. For Maryland, they were led by guard Eric Ayala. He would have 17 points, 2 assists, and 4 rebounds. Guard Aaron Wiggins would have 15 points and 9 rebounds. And forward Dante Scott would have 12 rebounds and 4. Sorry, 12 points and 4 rebounds. Aaron Wiggins would have four sorry 15 points and 9 rebounds, y'all. Um, for Wisconsin, they were led by guard Demetrik Trice, 25 points 4 rebounds and 3 assists And Ford Aileen Ford Would have 10 points and 6 assists For Maryland, they would shoot 50% from the field uh, either, Neither team shot well From outside, both teams shot Below 40% But the Terrapins did have the rebounds uh, The rebounds advantage And they also had 5 blocks in the game uh, They also outscored the Badgers 46-36 to in the second half uh, Batters again just kind of tired out. 70 to 64 is the final score here. And uh, finally, number one, Gonzaga gets it done against Northern Arizona. Uh, wide margin here. Final score being 88 to 55. Uh, of course, Gonzaga still undefeated. 8 0. Northern Arizona 1 and 6. For Northern Arizona, they were led by guard uh, Cameron Shelton. 20 points from him, 9 rebounds. Guard Jay Green would help out with 12 points and 3 rebounds. Uh, again, not enough for the Monsters. Gonzaga, the Bulldogs were led by Joel Ayayi, uh seventeen points, uh, twelve rebounds. Dominic Harris would have twelve points and Drew Timmy would have fourteen points and six rebounds. All right, y'all. I'm gonna call it a wrap for this segment. When we come back, uh I gotta break down uh some college football and of course some NFL action. Week seven week sixteen is in the books. All right, y'all. It's been a while it's, It's been a marathon. Oh, yeah. All right. But we almost done. All right. I'll be right back. y'all it's been a journey uh but it's time to wrap everything up we're gonna talk about week 17 in the nfl let's break it down uh everything will get started uh with the saints taking down the vikings 52 to 33 the saints moved 11 and 4 and clinched the nfc south the vikings moved to 6 and 9 of course they not making the playoffs uh, for the Vikings, Kirk Cousins will go 27 of 41, 291 yards, three touchdowns. Dalvin Cook would have a rushing touchdown of his own on 73 rushing yards. Adam Thielen would have eight receptions for 97 yards and a touchdown. And Irv Smith. Uh, would have 53 receiving yards as well as two touchdowns and in terms of defense the Vikings were led by Hardy Nickerson the team's leading tackler five total tackles from him and an interception for the Saints Drew Brees would go t- uh, sorry 19 to 26 with 311 yards he would have two interceptions but he would ca- he would pass 80K. he is the all-time leader in passing yards if they don't make it past the first round it's all mute to me uh Alvin Kamara, 155 rushing yards, six touch, uh six touchdowns, NFL record. At least he tied for it with Gail Sayers. Taysom Hill took one from him and got one. I ain't like that. You um, should have just gave a man a record. Taysom Hill is always gonna get a couple touchdowns here and there. That's not, you know, whatever. It wasn't his record. If Taysom Hill was in the position to do it, I'm wondering if they would give him the the handoff or Alvin Kamara. Y'all tell me. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, four receptions, 83 yards. Demario Davis, a team's leading tackler. He would have eight total tackles. And Cameron Jordan would have a sack. Uh, some bad news from the Saints, though. Uh, Le- sorry, Linebacker Quan Alexander has torn his ACL, and he will miss the rest of the season, including the playoffs. Um, yeah. So let's move on. We got some more action. The Buccaneers, uh, they blow out the Lions without no coaches. 47-7 was the final score there. Uh, the Niners uh, they get a win against the Cardinals, 20 to 12. The Raiders do nothing but disappoint me and frustrate me. Uh, they take a one-point loss to the Dolphins, and the sorry, the Dolphins 26 to 25. Of course, when breaking this one down, the Dolphins are 10 5. The Raiders, of course, we are out of the playoff chase. We are currently seven and eight. Who knows what happens this week? For the Dolphins, two will go 17 to 24. 94 yards and a touchdown, not too bad, but he started to struggle in the last part of the game, which led, which led into Fitzpatrick coming in, doing his thing, 9 of 13 for 182 yards. And a touchdown, Miles Gaskin, 87 rushing yards. He had also for 82 receiving yards and two touchdowns. Uh, linebacker Jerome Maker would have 10 total tackles in the sack, and linebacker Andrew Von Ginkle, seven total tackles from him and two sacks. Derek Carr, despite being injured, would have 331 passing yards and a touchdown. Just the one pass, this the one passing touchdown, 21 to 34 though, uh, no major mistakes. Uh, really a doctor in terms of you know not turning the ball over. I'll give him that. Although just the one touchdown doesn't always help us. Uh, Josh Jacobs, 69 rushing yards. Those in Aguilar, again, uh, just turning. Um, in my opinion, one of the most improved receivers in a very long time. Five receptions from him. 155 yards and a touchdown. Darren Waller, 112 receiving yards from him. Corey Littleton was a team's leading tackler. He would have nine. And defensive lineman Jonathan Hankins, four total tackles in a sack. And, um, this game is really just frustrating for me because, uh, we moved the ball, seemed to be pretty well down the field. We failed to score any points. Uh, the Dolphins, whether it was just game call, well, uh, sorry, play calling, um, or no, I think a lot of it was play calling. I think a lot of times, especially in the beginning of the game, we would pass the ball in the end zone when we could have ran the ball and could have got an easy touchdown. In my opinion, and then we got to we wanted to be cute in the end of the game, and we wanted to take all as much clock as we could have off the, um, you know, off the board. They were willing to let, but they were willing to let uh, your boy score. Uh, that being uh, J- Jacobs at one point Like I said we decided to be cute And waste more time off the clock And go for a field goal Which we did make But uh, we gave up the bonehead play And the penalty By Arden Key Wow um, Just that sequence Just is really frustrating But it's indicative of what we had going on And that game against the Falcons Was bad juju Just get just to get blown out by a three Win team like that We had so much going for us um, bad. Um. I I I honestly I. It's almost it's almost like I I almost want to say that shit is really just rigged like that, but like damn because that's just it's just ridiculous. How could a team that could have that was six and three we have potential to be eleven and five at the very worst, we end up like this and again this is why i mean again i love my raiders and but i will always have tapered expectations when people are saying playoffs off the top or people are saying division off the top i'm saying nine and seven i'm saying this is why i say ten and six this is why you'll barely hear me say eleven and five but if i say we are eleven and five we're not going to win that division you know this is why and it's just i i don't know really what to make of it um Definitely, we have an issue with our secondary. Damon Next sucks. We can say what we want; he sucks. He doesn't fit in that scheme. Well, I don't want to say it just like that because it sounds harsh. Let's not say it like that. he just doesn't fit. Uh, neither does Trayvon Mullen. Our our secondary leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, outside of Marcus Joiner, I don't know what to make of it. Our linebackers are decent. Uh I definitely like Littleton and what he can do. Our uh defensive line, uh they did tr- they did get a lot of pressure in, la- in that game, Saturday's game. Our D line got after the quarterback, uh not so much after Fitzpatrick, but they got after Tua. Uh they got a few sacks. Uh Carl Nassib, really good game from him. Uh Mass Crosby I know was in the mix, but uh, we have a lot of work to do. I don't know what they do next year. Do they destroy and rebuild the defense? Possibly. I've been hearing some words about maybe starting Marcus Mariota. I definitely say you probably start in week seventeen, uh, but I don't know about the future. I don't know if he's that guy. Um, I, I definitely saw some changes in the offense and how it ran a little bit, how it looked against uh, LA. But I'm not a hundred percent sure on him. But uh, there's a lot that needs to be done in this team, um, and. And it's a little bit unfortunate. It's just a loss like that, uh, just when we had a chance like that to, to really challenge. But again, I don't know how good we would have been in the playoffs, honestly. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, but moving on, uh, we got the Bears beating on the Jags 41-17. to Uh, The Browns take a loss here, inexplicable loss to the Jets, 23-16. The Giants, they take a loss to the Ravens, 27-13. The Chiefs get it done against the Falcons by 3, 17-14. The uh, the Bengals, they get a win here against the Texans, 37-31. The Colts, uh, they take a loss here, and their playoff uh, chances are in limbo. So the Steelers here 28 to 24 is the final score. Uh the Panthers get it done against Washington 20 to 13. The Browns, uh sorry, the Broncos. I don't know why I just said the Browns. The Broncos come up short against the Chargers 16 and 19. The Cowboys get it done against the Eagles and remain alive, if I'm not mistaken, in the NFC East. I don't know about the Eagles. Uh thirty seven to seventeen in a game that I don't know. Uh and against two teams that are eh, they're trying to make a big deal out of the, in the NFC East. They're trying so hard, the media, whether it's, you know, the situation going on in Philadelphia and and talking back and forth about Wentz and Hurts, whether it was the situation that was going on in Dallas early in the year, and whether it's the drama in Washington that I will be talking about in just a second. They are trying to make the NFC East somehow a pop in the vision, and we know it's not. So I'm just going to move on. Uh, The Seahawks get it done against the Rams 20-9, and the final game on Sunday, uh, was a blowout uh, by the Packers, 40 to 14, against the Titans. Uh, the Packers moved to 12 and 3. The Titans are 10 and 5. For the Titans, Ryan Tannehill will go 11 to 24 for 121 yards. Uh, he would have a touchdown through the end, a touchdown on the ground, but he would throw a pick. Derrick Henry would have 90 yards, 98 yards on the ground, and Titan John New Smith would catch a touchdown pass. Defensive back Brandon Butler would have an interception. For the Packers, uh, A. Rod will lead the way, twenty-one to twenty-five, two hundred thirty-one yards from him, four touchdowns and an interception. A. J. Dillon would have one hundred and twenty-four rushing yards and two touchdowns. Aaron Jones would have ninety-four rushing yards, and Devontae Adams would be the team's leading receiver with eleven total catches, one hundred and forty-two yards and three touchdowns. And linebacker Chris Barnes would have seven total tackles, and Darnell Savage would have, a, would have an interception. All right, let's move on to Monday night. Uh, Capping off uh, all the scores from week 16. Uh, the Bills get it done against the Patriots 38-9. to nine. Uh, The Bills are now 12-3. and three. The Patriots are 6-9. and nine. Of course, they've been eliminated from playoff play. For the Bills, Josh Allen will go 27-36 uh, for 320 yards. He would have four touchdowns. Zach Moss would have 57 rushing yards and a touchdown. Stefan Diggs would have nine total catches for 145 yards and three touchdowns. Matt Milano would have eight total tackles and a sack. And defensive end, Quentin Jefferson would have a sack as well for the Patriots. Cam Newton would go 5 of 10 for three, uh, 34 yards, and a rushing touchdown. Jared Center would get some playing time. That's how you know it was bad. 4 of 11 for him, 44 yards. Sonny Michelle would have 69 yards on the ground. Jacoby, Ma- Jacoby Myers would have four catches for 45 yards. And defensive back Jonathan Jones would have eight total tackles. Uh, a couple brief uh, news uh, stories to go uh, quickly over uh, Joe Burrow. Uh, looks to be recovering in a good way. He's walking. Uh, There's a limp. Uh, he's had his surgery. And he's doing okay. Uh, but he's still going to require some time. Of course, he tore his MCL and ACO. And uh, he might even miss a few weeks of the season. But he's walking again. He seems to be happy. And uh, God forbid. Brown. Uh, sorry. Bengals. Ooh, sorry. Bengals get that man some offensive lineman please please whatever you do he needs your help drastically come on y'all that's ridiculous how you had him like that anyways uh one more bit of news here Dwayne Haskins has been cut from the Re- about to say the Redskins from the Washington team they don't have no name but he's been cut from that team with no name uh, of course, his performances have a lot to do with it. Of course, he's violated the COVID protocol twice. Uh, recently headed out to some private event with some strippers, uh, putting the team in, in jeopardy. And again, with the performances on the field, uh, Ron Rivera said, look, I'll go, one, I'll go with one-legged Andrew, sorry, a- Alex Smith, who I don't even know is going to be playing next week before I go with you. If that says something. That says a lot. Dwayne, uh, unless you um, unless you give it some, and, I, and I'm going to tell you right now, take some time to yourself, do some soul searching, and really find yourself, because I don't know. I mean, again, I don't think they, the league is going to blackball you or nothing like that, but it's going to be very hard for you, unless you're very serious about this, to find your way back into this. Uh, just the mentality that you've been kind of taking, you're nonchalant. Now, I try to give you so many passes, for many different reasons, uh, for you, for one, you being so young and all that, but um, you put yourself in a very fucked up situation. You didn't think this shit through. You put yourself, you put your team in a situation, and you obviously didn't take being a player seriously, and that's your biggest problem. Because uh, if you would have took being a player very serious, you probably wouldn't have been out twice uh, violating those those protocols. Uh, one, I, I can see, I can understand, uh, but two of those situations when you know what the deal is you're supposed to child you supposed to be the leader of the team. It's bad. And again, like I said, Washington will be going with a one-legged quarterback that's not even 100% who hasn't who we don't know who is 100%. We don't know if he's 100% or not for this week. But we do know that Washington has gone with him over a second-year quarterback. So, Dwayne, do some soul searching, uh find it within your heart to figure out what it is you want to do. And hopefully it's football because it's going to be a it's going to definitely be a hard journey back with what this situation is right now. All right, y'all. I'm calling it a wrap for tonight. I got to get something to eat. As far as uh, what else I got going on over the week, of course, I got the compare and contrast with Washington and Washington, D.C. Of course, we are going into the new year, understanding that there is a difference between the two we're gonna be breaking it down also got my my worst republican ran cities uh and also my worst republican ran states of course my top. it's gonna to be a top 10 list i did one similar uh of course on the podcast but i'll be doing it for the youtube version uh and it will be some different cities probably some different states so some of the same places but uh Look out for that as well. I do have a special report that I'm going to be putting out before then, though, uh, and it's going to be about the NFL ratings. I've been hearing a lot of drama about that lately, um, just in general, about how you know ratings might be down, what's the deal with that. NFL is woke, nobody wants to watch it. I want to talk about all those little uh talking points on both sides. Um, again, because of course, you had a whole con- conglomerate of people talking about how they didn't want to watch NFL no more because of this, because of what's going on. Uh, to, like I said, in politics, both sides of the politics, political spectrum, I want to talk about that as well. So, look out for that special report sometime this week on YouTube as well. Um, uh, it could have been a uh, it could have been. A, a podcast segment but again i feel like i want a few more people to look at this pop, you know i want a possibly, possibility for this to possibly well sorry i want it to be a possibility for it to go viral you know just because of the subject um and just because of where my stance is on i think it's very unique so i want to put that out there and then of course uh i am working on my poem for the review of the jeezy uh album, his most recent album we'll be breaking that down before the end of the year and um and of course uh, i did bring this up a while back but uh, i do have another review for some wwe Uh, i'll be going over some tlc of course tables ladders and chairs that'll come a little bit later so again full sleep that i got uh for the next for the next period of time so as things get finished you'll know about them and yeah And you'll see them. So if you want to follow me on on, uh, Instagram, you can Eljamah seven ninety one E L J A M A H seven ninety one. Take a look at me there. You can also follow me on Facebook. I have. facebook page for the show at never out of bounds uh also i have the youtube channel so check it out never out of bounds y'all i got my sports stories up there i got my upon the reviews up there i got a little bit of news i got a little bit of everything so uh do it, brother some some uh, some love and and check me out support it subscribe share whatever you can do all right y'all i'm signing out for now peace out one love if anybody hasn't told you yet i love you and i'll at you guys later